haven't been with us, this is, what we're studying is a book called the Tomer Devorah, which means the, the palm tree of Devorah, uh, and it was written by a mystic uh, who lived in Sfat in uh, the north of Israel in the 16th century, named uh, Moshe Cordovero, Mortis, Moses Cordovero, uh, and uh, this is an attempt to... Uh, explain how to put into practice the idea of imitating God. And the way he does it is he lays out uh, the uh, attributes of God that uh, the, the Kabbalists lay out in a system called the Svirot. The, there are ten different attributes of God that manifest in the world. Is that Each of these ten different attributes of God are ways that human beings can emulate God in their, in their uh, behavior uh, among themselves, in their in their ethical behavior, uh, and so we're actually we've over the past few weeks only been in that first virtue, uh, which is uh, in the Kabbalistic system is called Keter, the God's crown. Uh, Cordovero defines that as God's compassion, the seed of God's compassion, which is already I think a statement uh, that we've talked about a lot about uh, his view, his understanding of God, that the highest attribute of God, the most fundamental attribute of God, or at least the fundamental noble attribute of God, is God's compassion, God's forgiveness, and God's mercy. Uh, because in the Kabbalistic system, there, these are a hierarchy of values, right? So you have the highest, and they kind of progress downward to lower, uh, to lower spirits, lower values. Uh, and he breaks down that first virtue into 13 different subcategories. Although they're not totally different one from the other, there's a lot of overlap. But he bases that off of a, a particular verse from uh, from the book of Micah uh, that that is understood to be 13 attributes of divine mercy. Uh, and so we're kind of we've been over the past few weeks going through each one of those 13 <coughs> attributes of divine mercy. At some point in the not too distant future, we'll get through all those 13 and then make it on to the second major attribute of God, which uh, will be. Um, uh, chokhmah, God's wisdom. But in any event, so here we are in the thick of God's compassion, and therefore uh, our challenge to be compassionate. And he says, Lo adapo. This is a, a phrase from that verse from Micah. It says that, uh, that God isn't overcome forever by his anger. Okay? Um, God's anger does not always hold on to him. This is another kind of virtue. Even though a person might be uh, overcome with sinning or sinfulness, even though a person might be over, might uh, might cling to, to sin, God doesn't cling to anger. And if God is overcome with anger, it's not forever. Which is, uh, I think what, he, what he's saying here is, is that God does not let God's anger dictate God's actions. God doesn't let God's anger dictate God's response. If God is angry, he's angry momentarily, but doesn't let it possess him. And that's, I think, the hechzik. It doesn't grip him. It doesn't possess him. And not forever. Rather, God nullifies his anger even if a person doesn't repent. 
Kemoshe Matsinu Bimei Yerovam ben Yoash. This is what we found uh, in the story in, in the book of Kings about uh, the, the wicked king Jeroboam. Shechzira Kadesh Baruchu Gvul Yisrael, that God returned the borders of Israel. God actually enabled the borders of Israel to be expanded during the time of Jeroboam, even though Jeroboam was very wicked. The Hemayu of De Agalim, because in Jeroboam, the wicked king, was, uh, uh, was a worshipper of golden calves and led the people to be worshippers of golden calves. The Richem Alehem Shavu. But God was compassionate to them, even though they didn't repent. Imken Lama Richem. So they didn't repent, so why did God, why was God compassionate to them? Why did God forgive them? Bishvil Midazo. Because of this virtue. Shelo hechzik la'ad apo. Because God doesn't let his anger possess him forever. Adaraba, on, on the contrary. Machalish apo. There's an interesting, the image of, uh, of, uh, of anger in the Bible is chari uh, af. That, uh, the, the word af, anybody know in Hebrew what is af? Is a nose. Right? And so the, the image is actually sort of anthropomorphic of, uh, of what anger is. Anger is flaring your nostrils. That's chari af, is hot nostrils. Right? And, uh, and so the, the opposite of that in biblical language is erechapayim, which is long nostrils, because when your nostrils are long, you're very relaxed, you're not angry. Right? You flare them, they're wide, right? now they're long. Right? So, um, and that's what he says here, right? So, that, uh, that instead of God flaring God's nostrils, God relaxes his nostrils. God relaxes them. In other words, he lets go of his anger. Even though the sin might still be going on, even though the sinfulness might still be happening, God doesn't punish. Rather, God covers over the transgression and forgives because they might re- repent. They might return. God allows for the possibility of people retracting, people returning. In other words, that when God sees transgressions happen, when God sees, for example, Jeroboam and, his, and, and the people of Israel worshiping golden calf, God gets really angry, but God lets go of that anger even if people didn't ask for forgiveness yet, God lets go of that anger because they might ask for forgiveness down the road, and he doesn't want to act on that anger. doesn't want to make his response a result of anger. I think that, by the way, we're going to get to what the human response, uh, uh, what this means in the human realm in just a second, but I think that that's something that's worth us thinking about, especially in the political climate that we're in, because you read, you know, uh, column after column. I was reading David Brooks's column uh, this morning in the New York Times, and he was talking about Rick Perry, and he was talking about uh, Rick Perry being able to capitalize on this very angry sentiment <coughs> in the electorate. And um, I, I'm, this is not a comment about Rick Perry as as a person or as a candidate, but I think that it is worth uh, worth our considering whether we always make the right decisions based on our anger, right? Whether acting on our anger. Uh, always leads us to to act in ways that we uh, are are happy about after we have acted on that anger, right? Um, and so we have an, a very angry electorate right now. And the challenge, I think, of an angry electorate is is determining wh- whether 
whether acting on that anger, whether making a choice of who we vote for, or what we do as a as a society, as a culture, based on that anger, is uh, in the best interest ultimately of our society. And I think that that's what's uh, what it's saying about God here too is that God is angry when people transgress, but. God also is able to let go of that anger because the response based on that anger might not be the best possible response. God conducts himself with softness, uvikashut, and with, uh, um, uh, uh, what's that? Ease, yeah, I think that's a good word. With softness and with ease, Hakolatova Israel, and all this is for the the welfare of uh, of the Jews. And this is a virtue that a person should try to conduct himself with, uh, with his friend or with his fellow. Even though he is technically permitted to rebuke uh, with, uh, with sort of afflictions, right? You can, you can really lay down the law on someone who has harmed you, right? Um, whether it's your friend or your child, right? If they, if they made you angry, there is, we're told in the Torah, right? You should surely rebuke your neighbor if they insult you or offend you in some way. So he's saying that, that technically you have permission <coughs> to act when you're angry, you shouldn't bottle it up. Right? He's saying that you have permission to do it. <coughs> so you'll afflict them by doing it. However, a person shouldn't increase his rebukes and shouldn't be possessed by his anger even if he's angry. Rather, he should try to nullify it and not be possessed forever by his anger. And so in other words, I think what this is saying is that if you're angry with someone, there are a few possibly One is you can act on that anger. Another is that you can just bottle it up. And you just push it down and pretend that it's not there. I don't think he's saying either of those things. I think he's saying that you could act on it. You could bottle it up. Rather, you should try to nullify it. You should try to, uh, and I think the only possible way of nullifying it is recognizing the fact that you're angry, trying to understand what is making you angry, and then trying to release it, trying to actually let go of it, right? Not pushing it down, not pushing it away, not pretending that you're not angry, but instead trying to let go of it. I heard the uh, uh, Dalai Lama say this once, and I thought it was a really wise thing. He said that uh, that he did, he's, he was asked if he was angry at the Chinese, and he said, "No, I'm not angry at the Chinese." And the said, "How can you not be angry at Chinese? They've killed lots of your people. They exiled." And he said, "Sorry." Uh, they he said that anger actually never hurts the person that you're angry at. It never changes the behavior of the person that you're angry at. It only, in a lot of ways, harms the person who is angry. And so, he says, he says you know, it's not that he's, he, he doesn't believe that there is anger that could arise there, but his, his perspective on it is 
to try to let go or nullify that anger because he knows that it's not going to hurt the Chinese to be angry at them. It's not going to change them to be angry at them. There are other ways of changing their behavior besides yelling at them. Right? So, and I think that that's what he's saying here, right, is to let go of the anger, to nullify the anger. He's talking on a higher level, Harm. He's not talking not if I'm mad at you when I hit you, I harm you. He's talking about the residual harm that comes to me for that anger, not the temporary, right? Right. right. Or act on it and then let it go. What do you mean? Well, I, th- I thought you said something about that he's not saying not to act on your anger. You were saying no, that he's before. Saying that. He is saying, he is saying to, not to act on He's saying he's saying not to not to turn your he's saying not not to turn away from you have to acknowledge no. <laughs> say that you're angry about something but then you got to let it go you right. can't let it foster right he's saying right he's I, and I don't think he's saying to act on it necessarily I think he's saying to to acknowledge the fact that you're angry don't pretend that you're not angry but also don't act on it right let it go and then, Should, and then, shouldn't yeah, it be that the, that the act shouldn't be as a result of anger. But there could be a response as a result of the act Action. to you. Exactly. I mean, if you come, you if, have to and I'm using you, but someone comes after my family, I'm going to attack. I so if you know, I can forgive afterwards, but I'm not going to turn the other cheek. So I mean, I think there's a certain level of saying, yeah. I mean, I'm not. If you said something that offended me, I. I'll get over it. You're acting I'm in like, response to the but, person's action, not right. because you're angry, and then. But you, I mean, there's, there's a certain level here of, of right. response that, that you have a responsibility to. I think with anger, you're talking more of, of uh, not that type emotion. of emotion. Not that I mean, someone look, comes up to you. If I don't like someone, it doesn't, I, it doesn't I mean that I should respond differently to them than someone I like. I should respond to what the action is, not to someone that I'm normally angry at. Well, I think all of us, from, from time to time, we get angry at someone, and then we think about after the action, we think, gee, I really shouldn't have done that, and I really feel pretty lousy about having done that. Mm-hmm. And the other person probably didn't change anyway, so I think it's kind of what he And sometimes if your anger could actually be expressed to someone not even involved. If you're angry, you might be True. speaking to somebody else because of your anger, but you're not angry at that person. I mean, God's gotten and pretty angry. That, you know, that happens it's all the good time. Good thing Moses so, calms him down. Yeah, right? I, mean, yeah I mean, look through look through our history. I mean, God's gotten pretty angry. Right. So, it, I mean, that's that's a, a worthwhile point that, in some ways, this is sort example. of a revisionist theology of of God, yeah. because there are lots of instances in the Torah where God is really ready to. Uh, I, to I, not I was thinking about that, anger. just comparing it to the stuff we're reading in Deuteronomy right now, right. with all yeah. the, you know, choose a. Although what you know what what I think is present in that in that. Uh, Deuteronomic theology is that God isn't going, God is ultimately going to bring justice uh, when people uh, violate the law, right? But, but God doesn't do it right away, right? So there's this, there's this sense that, that, uh, that, well, he does say here that, you know, you don't have to repent right away either. I don't think he's saying you don't have to repent right away. He's saying that, that God gives you other chances even if you don't repent. I mean, if Ralph were sitting here to be saying again, well, what am I doing on Yom Kippur mm. if, if I've got more time? Well, I think, wait, wait, so so the idea of repentance, I, no, he, and, and that's a really valid point. The, the idea of repentance is, I think, uh, a, a, a secondary component to what he's saying here, because he's not saying that repentance isn't a good thing. He's just saying that from God's perspective, God will, God is forgiving even for people who don't repent 
And I think that that's I think that that's limited. I don't think he says that that's totally limitless, right? But um, God doesn't. God ultimately, I mean, and we'll see this as we go on, because one of the divine attributes in, in Jewish mysticism is is gvura, is, is deen, is justice, right? So, I, and I, so I think that uh, that you wouldn't say that God totally uh, always overrides a sense of, of justice uh, when there are things that uh, demand justice, right? But uh, and he's not saying that it's not that it's not worth. <coughs> Our own per- for our personal selves repenting, but he's saying that let's say someone insults you and is unrepentant about it. Right? The natural response is to be angry at them and potentially even to act on that anger. And what he's saying is that from God's perspective, and so therefore from ours, is that we ought not to act on that anger, and in fact, we ought to try to totally let go of that anger to the best of our ability. Um, and, 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 I, and I don't think that he's talking about instances in which someone actually is, uh, you know, he, he, I think, would go as far as say, even if someone harms you, do this. But I think if in the in the moment of someone actually harming you and saying, "Well, should I defend myself? Should I strike?" You know, Torah says, "Someone comes to kill you, you rise up and kill them first. I don't think he's saying not to do that. He's not saying if someone if someone you know comes at you with a gun, uh, you know, turn the other cheek at the person with the gun, right? But he is saying that that let's say someone did, God forbid, come at you with a gun, you couldn't protect yourself, and they shot you. Right? This is a really extreme case. I think he would go so far as to say, and this is something that's, I think, worth our agreeing or disagreeing with or having a conversation about, I think he would go so far as to say, you would probably be angry at that person, and you would be justified in being angry in that person, but you should let go of that anger. Do you have to forgive him? Because the anger hurts you, but do you have to forgive that person? It's Letting go is... Is more for you. Well, that's what I'm saying. For, for me, I, I mean, you know me pretty right. well. To be I, I don't get angry, with angry. very often, yeah. but right. but there's people that I don't particularly you. like. I just I'm not. It's not worth my well, effort to be angry so with I them. But I wouldn't spend time with them. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he would say. I, my sense of the Jewish tradition is that just because you aren't angry at them doesn't mean you have to forgive them. Um, it means that uh, you know a lot of it. You don't have to forgive somebody who doesn't ask for your forgiveness, right? Um, uh, but it does mean that uh, that you I don't know perhaps it means you don't you don't bear a grudge against that person right so it does you don't take revenge on that person right? uh, I think it might mean that uh, or you act out for reasons other than coming from the anger right you strike back because of of it's the justice some of these other things that it you you have there has to be correction of the, of the of the of the act of, that caused you to be angry, but if you're not, you don't have to act out of your anger because that could cause a different um, impact either on yourself or on the situation. Right, I mean, but I guess the, what you have here is recognition of the control you have over another person's actions. Because even if you wanted to act in response to a horrific act like that, there's really little that you, as an individual, can do that will change how that person. First of all, change what the person did. Right. right, but also change how the person will act in the future. Um, I saw on someone's Facebook wall last night this quote: that, you know, "We we can't um, uh, uh, we we can't control what other people do. We can only control how we react to other, what other people do." 
think that was more with the king. Yeah, I think it was part of the dedication of the king. Mm. Well, I know they didn't have it, but the king memorial, I saw a couple probably, of quotes on He probably said it a lot more eloquently than that, but he, right, exactly. Um, so let's just, let's just finish this up, because um, I think this, this is a really interesting idea that he brings in to close this off. Ke'en um, shu. so as the rabbis explain about the verse from Exodus, ki tirech hamor sonacha rovetz tachat masa'o, there's this verse in Exodus that says, if you see the donkey of your enemy that is crushed under its weight, you're supposed to not avert your eyes from it, you're supposed to actually help that person lift up the, the, the donkey and, and the weight that's crushing it. And it uses specifically your enemy there to say, ah, you, know, you would be certainly inclined to help your friend do it. But here it's saying, even if it's someone that you hate. And the, and the rabbis interpreted this to mean, mahi hasina hazot, what kind of hatred is this? Shera'a oteo over avera. This is someone who you saw commit a sin. Vehu yachid. And you're alone when you see this person committing a sin. You're not able to bring testimony on this person. And there's no justice that you can actually bring uh, about this person because you see this person, you know, robbing a bank. And no, or, well, that's a bad example. I'm sure there will be witnesses to that. You see a person, you see a person killing a guy. Not in there are no witnesses. A tree fell in the woods. You see a person, you know, shoot a guy in the in the forest, right? And you're alone. You have no... You, you, in Jewish law, you need two witnesses to, to bring anything to trial, right? And uh, and so, th- that's it, right? There's no justice for this guy, right? And so, you're angry about this because here is your terrible sin that's going to go unpunished. And this guy's going to be unrepentant because he is not going to face justice for his deeds, and you're angry about it. That's the kind of hatred he's talking about here, or the rabbis believe the Torah is talking about. And so you hate him because of this this thing that he's done, he's not going to be punished about, which is a horrible injustice. And even so, the Torah says, You shall surely help him lift it up. You shall surely help him move it. And the rabbis interpret this to mean shvok yat div libach. You should let go of what's in your heart. Ela mitzvah lekarevo tovava. Rather, it is a mitzvah to bring him close with love. Ulayo il bederchzo, because maybe that will work. V'haynu mamash midazo, and this is really what this virtue is about. Don't be possessed by your anger. Thoughts?